Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, we are back with the Believe and Put Pit Football Podcast. I'm your one of your hosts, your quarterback, Bill Stahl, first team all conference quarterback back in 2009. Uh, we are joined with Jerry. Jerry DeBall, a longtime uh, sports writer for the Tribune Review, also has been covering Pitt for the last 10 years. And of course, we are also joined with our other host, our All-American linebacker, the quarterback of the defense, Scott McKillop. Jerry and Scott, how are you guys today? No, I'm, I'm doing good, but it's 11 years, Bill. I don't want to, don't want to forget about that Todd Graham year in 2011. Oh, sorry, Jerry. I I erased that year out of my memory. (laughs) Most Pitt fans have done that, right? (laughs) Scott, how are you? Well, I'm doing good. I mean, uh, the Pitt Panthers are 2-0. You know, happy about that, and we'll see if we can keep the train rolling. And we are definitely going to keep that train rolling because this show, we have some special guests, some guests that I had the privilege to meet my freshman year coming in to the University of Pittsburgh. And these were some some fellas that I was extremely, extremely excited that were on my team and my side of the ball because these guys are some monsters. Uh, I'm going to welcome to the show Mike McGlynn, a.k.a. Big Greasy. And we also have the pleasure of Charles Spencer, a.k.a. Big June, how are you guys? I can tell you something, Bill. I'm excited as heck to be on the podcast today, talk some pit football and be reunited with some great friends, great teammates. So I appreciate you guys having us on. It's, it's awesome, man. You know, I haven't seen a lot of you guys in over 15 years. And so uh, it just seems like the other day going into the indoor, you know, running all those uh, those 100s. But uh, it's good to be back and talking football with you guys. And uh, it'll be fun. Mike, we're not going to come off this podcast to explain how you got the nickname Big Greasy. It got to be a great story. Absolutely. I was given the nickname back in high school by a good friend named Don Sherwood. Um, I overcame a lot of adversity in my uh, younger years, and uh, it was it was a nickname given to just uh, to show the grittiness. I'm from Youngstown, Ohio. Um, it's a grit town, so. Um, it's the grittiness. It's just uh, being greasy is just fighting your way through adversity, fighting your way out of tough situations and just trying to always come out on top, Jerry. Thanks for asking. So let, let's let's just go ahead and go right to 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 Charles Spencer, a.k.a. Big June. Big June, how, how did I guarantee our viewers want to know how did you how, how did you get the Big June Big June nickname? <laughs> Mine's is a little more simplistic than uh, Big Greasy, but uh no, I'm just a junior, Charles Spencer Jr. And uh, my older sister gave me the name June. And so, you know, from June to Junior. So either either one is fine. So I get Big June, Big Junior, whatever. So, so nobody called you a June bug, right? No one ever oh, called yeah. you a June bug? Uh, I, I get that occasionally. Occasionally. That and Chuck. Coach Freeman used to call you June bug. Yep. My guy. Yep. Hey, so – to to tie into to our listeners here, uh, Charles Charles Spencer was the 65th overall pick in uh, 2006 in the third round to the Houston Texans. Also played for the Carolina Panthers, played for the Jaguars, uh, and also Mike McGlynn was the 109th overall pick in the 2008 draft, fourth round to the Philadelphia Eagles, and played for the Bengals, the Colts, the Chiefs. Uh, the now Washington football team is what they're called. And I, I believe also the Saints. Yes, sir. A little bit everywhere. I got to enjoy some everywhere. great food. So for our listeners, hey, these are some guys who, uh, like like Mike was talking about, overcame some adversity and, and was able to come out and, and really show show what they can do in, in college and then make their impressions be be made uh, in, in the NFL. Uh, so I, I want to do a little little quick rapid fire here before we get into the recap of uh, the Tennessee game, which there's a lot of great things to talk about, which we love. 
we love talking positive about our Pitt Panthers, especially when they give us some good things to talk about. So I'm going to go quick around the horn here, uh, rapid fire with how did you guys spend your Saturday watching the game? You know, what were you grubbing on? What were you eating? What were you drinking? And then one word, let's get one word to describe our Pitt Panthers right now. So Scott, Scott, or Charles, go ahead. Go ahead, Big June. Start with you. So, so I'd say uh, adversity because they came out slow. They got punched in the mouth early. But uh, that second quarter, they really flipped the script and, uh, you know, they, they fought through some adversity. So, Yep. And, and rapid fire, how how'd you spend your Saturday? Did you watch the game? Uh, yeah, I was just here watching the game at the house. I, did, I was watching some cold, so nothing too uh, spectacular. Gotcha, gotcha. Greasy. I think overall, I mean, it's about time. You know what I mean? So many years of pit football, we go into a, a big opponent, you know, a, a team where we're favored in the game, and, and we kind of, uh, you know, we, we swing and miss. And uh, it was – it was refreshing, I'll say, to finally go into a, a, a game where we play and we overcome things early, uh, overcome adversity, and we go out and we get a tough road win. And an SEC um, opponent in Tennessee in front of 100,000 people in a tough place to play, um, I, was, I was very happy about the effort of the Pitt Panthers on Saturday. How how'd you spend your Saturday? Oh, I spent mine, you know, I'm uh, coaching high school football down here in Orlando, Florida. I spent mine game planning. Um, so uh, f- between flipping back and forth from film to, to our uh, to pit football, that's how I spent it. Love it. Love it. Scott, talk to me. Well, I'm, I'm actually kind of embarrassed. I wouldn't say I'm embarrassed, but uh, I actually spent Saturday up at Snowshoe. My wife uh, owns an event co- company for wedding planning, and so I was – Folding napkins, getting play settings, getting chargers arranged, doing whatever she wanted me to do as I was watching the game on my cell phone. And, uh, you know, anytime you're watching a pit game in the state of West Virginia, people kind of give you the second, like, what are you doing? But, uh, you know, I, I think that um, they, like Big June said, I mean, adversity. I mean, we talked about it last time on the podcast. We thought that a big special teams play was going to happen, you know, and, you watch the film, you look at that play. I mean, it, it wasn't X's and O's. I mean, it was just, you know, not staying on his block and not two-step redirecting, you know, and, and you know, Coach Powell had a had a body on a body. The guy just didn't block him long enough. And, you know, they um, – I, I forget how many points they scored in the second quarter, but, you know, like like Mike said, it's about time. Hey, hey Scott, I, I, your wife went to West Virginia, correct? <laughs> yes, she did. Oh. Oh, Scott, man. Well, you talk about swing and miss. Jesus Christ. Hey, and I live in West Virginia, too, man. Come on. Oh hey, look, I, bring it on. Scott. Bring it on. I love okay. June. 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 We, he, he has an uphill battle, to say the least. Okay. I got to you. To say the least. Yeah. Hey, we're, we're going we, to keep it moving. We'll, we'll get into it. I promise we'll have some more time to get in that. We're going to keep it <laughs> keep it moving here. Finish this up with, with Jerry. Jerry, how'd you spend your Saturday? I know you watched the game. Uh, yeah, I was on the clock, so I wasn't drinking anything but a bottle of water uh, in, down in my man cave, and I uh, was pretty much by myself. And I, I'm writing during the game, too, so I have to post a story as soon as the game ends. So right. uh, a lot of times I, I look up and I, I miss some things, and I have to uh, rewind it back in, in a little bit. But uh, I think the one word that describes that game to me and maybe the entire season so far for Pitt is together. This team seems to be together. They seems to be – a bunch of guys that seemed to like each other and rally around each other. Uh, when things went 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 uh, sideways in the first quarter on the block punt, according to what they were they were saying after the game and in, in this week, there's been there was nobody pointing. Why didn't you block that guy? You know, what's, and they let Kenny Pickett lead them to, so much, to a halftime lead. I think it was twenty seven twenty at halftime. Uh, you, you know, and after being down ten nothing right off the bat, that was a great comeback. And uh, you know, this pit team looks like it, it, it it's a little bit better than the. Pit teams in recent vintage, um, I think, and only because I think they're together and uh, they don't they don't try to talk a big game like some other teams I've covered in the past and who weren't able to back it up. Yep, I, I'm with you, Jerry. Um, I, I love that they they look together. Uh, my my one word is going to be closer. Like we we closed out that that fourth quarter. 
like defense put the nail nail on on the coffin you know with, with those with those big stops and we closed out the game we were able to just like you guys were talking about you know overcome that that adversity stay together and then we were able to close out you know at, at the end of that game um scott i also i also had to watch the game from my phone uh i actually forgot guys i scheduled a tattoo a few months ago <laughs> and thank god for youtube tv because i was able to watch that while i got a tattoo i'm finishing the sleeve on my arm so that was uh, that was fun uh thank god for wi-fi i'll take that hey we are going to transition right into dabala's debriefs all right uh so everyone listening we have dabala's debriefs with the sights and sounds of the locker room the quotes from the coaches, the quotes from the players, uh, all the inside scoop uh, that's going on down there in the south side. So, Jerry, give us a scoop, buddy. Well, as you know, uh, uh, reporters aren't allowed in locker rooms. They never were at Pitt, and they certainly aren't now. Things, you know, I made some notes that I wanted to touch on tonight. Uh, it seems to me these, this linebacker crew, and, and Scott can you know probably appreciate this, I'm sure. Uh, there's They play a, a fourth 4-3 defense, and those three linebackers, there's six of them. They play all the time. Uh, and, and the funny thing is, play at the end of the game, the, the fourth down play where um, two outside, backup outside linebackers, Chase Pine and, and John Patrician, two seniors, and Patrician, of course, in his seventh year, they, they closed down on the running back, but, but made the play go, go. And this was brought up to me by, by one of the coaches. What made the play go was the penetration that the defensive line got. Kalijah Kansi is playing out of his mind right now. Uh, you know, people are starting to talk – Making re, making reference to Aaron Donald, uh, making reference to uh, uh, Jalen Twyman. Uh, he might be better than Twyman, and at least you know. Um, I mean, of course, Aaron Donald's in another another universe, so let's not talk about that. But the way he crashed on on that line and penetrated and forced the offensive line backwards, it allowed Pine and Patricia to crash from each either side as outside linebackers to make that big play. And they have a lot of depth at linebacker, and they they were fresh in in the fourth quarter. They're going to force them to play 80 or 90 snaps like the pit teams have done in the past. Um, the other thing, you know, we talked about this week with the coaches and players was um, how they're not going to let this game get, give them a big head. Now, I've covered pit, like I said, for 11 seasons, and it always seems to me there's a big win or, or a big game one week, and the following week they lay an egg. Um, I go back to 2012 into three overtimes down in inside year, and they, they lost in triple overtime. They played a good game uh, way over their heads. It wasn't a very good team, way over their heads. Then next week, they go to Connecticut. Connecticut is a team that probably, uh, probably you know, it shouldn't even be an FBS team. But they lost to them that week, Notre Dame team. Uh, but I don't think this team is like that. Take, you know, the old cliche, take one game at a time and don't let whatever happens one week bleed into the following week. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Pat Narduzzi. Pat Narduzzi's um, plea to fans. The game, the Western Michigan game, is not on traditional TV, over-the-air over the, over the air, uh, traditional local TV. So it, there's no excuse for fans not coming to the game. It'll be very interesting to see what happens with this crowd. It'll be the first uh, pit home game you know, since uh, uh, the height of the pandemic. Uh, we'll, we'll see if that's going to keep some people away. We'll see if the Western Michigan uh, team is going to keep some pit fans away. But one thing about Western Michigan, two guys in their, in their secondary, Theron Coleman and Bryson Garner, used to play for Pitt. They transferred after the 2019 season. And both of those guys, very interesting tidbit, both of those guys, when they played for Pitt, made interceptions in the end zone in overtime, Garner to beat Youngstown State in 2017 and Coleman to beat Syracuse in 2018. Yeah, so Jerry, I'd, I'd like to back up just a little bit here on what it's like coming from a a a big win at at a very hostile you know environment and bring our bring our guests in 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 this topic here and really like guys as as players you know let's let's get into the mind of of the leaders on on the team here uh cuz obviously the captains and the leaders are going to have to be that extended coach in the locker room that that extended coach on the field uh but how do we keep our mindset 
you know, from not necessarily overlooking a team, but knowing that, I mean, everyone's telling us how good we are right this second. Uh, everyone's, you know, hey, you got Western Michigan, Michigan in the bag. Uh, I know damn well there were games that I was thinking I probably won't even play the fourth quarter. Uh, I shouldn't play the fourth quarter. Uh, my jersey should be clean the entire game. But my question to to you, you know, Mike, Scott, Big June, uh, how do we how, – how can we as players control that uh, from our side? You know, let's, let's start with Mike. Well, I mean, for the pit program in whole, we have a tendency of playing down to our competition. So I, I really don't care that it's Western Michigan. They're one and one. Um, from leadership down, from the head coach, Coach Narduzzi, he needs to do a great job of keeping our guys focused with our preparation and our mindset going into this game. We are not a program that handles these type of situations well. We never had. Even if we go back looking to when we were playing against Ohio U, we were you know kicking field goals in overtime to beat Furman, losing to Toledo um, when we were nationally ranked inside the top ten. Those type of situations, even back a couple years ago with Narduzzi leading the helm, losing to Youngstown State. So, you know, as a that program. Was, was Paul Chris did that, not Narduzzi. Well, I'm sorry. Good good call, Jerry. When it comes to as a program, it, it, it's, um, it's for us as players, I'm talking from the past and now the present, to be focused going into this game. Execution is big. Making sure that we're going out there fully prepared to handle the task at hand, and that's beating Western Michigan. Go ahead, June. <clears throat> you know, I, I, I kind of reiterate what Mike just said. Um, a little little thing came to mind when he said that, that Furman game. And, you know, I kind of got caught in that thing. And uh, when we played against UConn, too, like their, their DNs was trash. Like they, they just didn't – they didn't deserve to be on scholarship. Let's be honest. But we get caught in that game where you don't play as well as you would play like a Notre Dame or play a Virginia Tech or, you know, play in Miami or something like that because the competition is greater, right? And so I uh, play against uh, Louisville and, uh, you know, Elmas Dumerville. And it's like, you know, I'm bringing my A game because I want to show that I deserve to be in that conversation. Um, but it's hard because it's not a cultural thing at Pitt where we dominate whoever the hell we play, okay? I live down here in Houston, and the SEC is controlling the South. And they don't take games off. They don't take plays off. Every single play, they dominate. Even high school football down here. High school football is probably just as great or better than college football. Like, you don't take it easy on opponents, right? And so we got to get into the, that, that point in our program. It's like, you know what? No matter who we line up against, every snap, snap to whistle, we're going to blow them off the ball. We're going to score every time. Until you get to that mindset, we'll always be a mediocre team, a mediocre program. And we got to stop settling for less. Very good and, points. And, I, absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to go to Scott here to, to wrap this this little, you know, um, uh, idea up here, this this little topic up here. You know, is is it fully like is it only a mindset or is there something physical? Like, is there something at practice that that we can do extra or add to? You know, is it like, hey, I'm, I'm, we're doing more conditioning this week, just so you goofballs don't, you know what I mean? I, I don't know, but I understand the mindset aspect of it to, to, to be dialed in and everything. But you know, Scott, is, is there something physical we can do? And you know, let's get your opinion. You know, from a defensive side of side of the ball, being the quarterback of the defense, how, how would you go about making sure your defense and your guys are are on point and not I mean, quote-unquote trap game. I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet. You know, a lot of the former Pitt players and Pitt fans, you know, are familiar with the name Bob Junko. You know, I, I think this is a great opportunity for one of his famous lines here. Never too high, never too low. You got to keep on sawing that wood, baby. I don't care who you're going against. You know, don't cut that corner. Just, just keep on sawing that wood and it'll take care of itself. You know, attention to detail, finishing the block, taking the extra step. You know, and just relying on your teammates that they're going to do what they got to do, regardless if it's a Furman, an OU, a Bowling Green, or whoever it is. Yep, these, these Jerry, guys, go ahead. Uh, 
talking 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 to these guys this week practice very seriously we don't watch much practice we get a half hour on it and and the, and the way to, to combat that uh, taking a team lightly is, is to practice hard and to be ready and to be ready for every every situation that comes up now, that, i mentioned that 2012 team that lost to connecticut after beating notre dame this 2021 team is like 100 times better in every aspect including a quarterback uh, especially a quarterback uh, than that 2012 and the mindset seems to be a week's game getting away what they can do the next this coming week and and every, and every uh, game in the next few weeks there's a chance very good chance guys that Pitt could be five and0 going into Blacksburg in a couple weeks they got New Hampshire next week with an FCS team if you beat Western Michigan now you're up to four and0 and then you got a, a, a week Georgia Tech team uh, the week after that it's on the road but uh, third year in a row they're going down to Georgia Tech but heck, we could see a five and O team, and I have to look it up. I'm the last time a pit team was five and O. It's been a while, I'm sure. Well, and and also schedule wise, Jerry, they're after um, after Georgia Tech. I, I think there's a bye week, so and then bye, then they play Virginia Tech, right? and then Virginia Tech. So I mean, talk about you know playing your cards right, taking advantage of the schedule. If we can we can maintain you know undefeated. We can lick our wounds during during that during that bye week and really amp up, get rest some guys, get get healthy so to speak, and really uh, as wants that would say watch a watch a can of tape a day and get to work and really have a full week of rest like I said and getting ready to jump into to V Tech and then obviously a big game after that. And no offense to you guys, but a pit team has never been undefeated in a non-conference whether they're playing Big East or ACC. So this is something that, that Pitt has never done in the past, and it's something they can very easily do this year. Go ahead, tell you, I, I, don't, I don't know if this schedule has ever been this friendly. Uh, even going into the, the Clemson game, Clemson is very beatable. They, they have some young kids playing right now. So if there's ever a team that's going to uh, – <clears throat> probably from the Clemson program where they had a shot – other than that, that one year, this is the year. And so we could be going in post Clemson seven and zero, all right. And so now we start to uh, put our, put the kids in position where, you know, now their confidence is rolling. Right. And so com- confidence is more greater than motivation. And so we could really be in a great position coming out of that Clemson game. And you're, you're talking two and zero. I was going to say, we haven't gone from two and zero to five and zero to seven and zero all of a sudden, you know, that that's the, that, that's the beauty of hear that. That's the beauty of not being not not playing on the field anymore, Jerry. We can exactly. say whatever the heck we want to say now. We're yeah, not playing anymore. Right. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, we 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 can be six and one like we were, and I think I forget what year it was. And then we lost five in a row to end this season, then six to six. So I mean, anything can happen. Well, hey, I'm gonna piggyback off of off of June. All right, Mike, Mike, go ahead, bud. Above all, when it comes down to it, this is a year for Narduzzi that he needs, I really believe, to catapult this thing. You get Kenny Pickett for another year. You got some guys. Your defense is, is really starting to roll with a, a good front. Um, you got some good, really good skill guys. This needs to be a catapult year for Coach Narduzzi to really take this program out of mediocrity and get it into the top 25 type of a year um, to give us some notoriety other than being right around 500, 600 every year. So um, there's a lot of excitement, as you could tell, and uh, it's a good thing for us. Mike, I, I, let me tell you, I was, sit, I was sitting there folding clothes, and when I saw those corners press and our safety dropped, I said, Jesus Christ. <laughs> we Like, come on, come on. I mean, and I'm a left tackle. I didn't know the location of the safety. But come on. I mean, they're hitting seam routes. All right, you guys got it. I'm, hey, June, we're we're with you, buddy. Uh, we 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 express some frustration about that almost every week, uh, especially from a quarterback standpoint. When when I'm on the sidelines and I see third and long, I'm warming up. I'm licking my chops. I'm ready to get back out there on the field. I'm talking a little little game plan with you guys up front just double checking my receivers and then all of a sudden first down that is the biggest you know what kicking the nuts you know it 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 could be preventable but you know what let's screw it let's talk about it 
you know, I, I, I listened a little bit to, to Narduzzi earlier on, on his show and there was, he, he did make a good point. Uh, we were, if, if you guys do remember, there were a lot of overthrown balls, you know, a, a lot of passes that looked like way off the mark. And he may have been just saying this just to make his defense look sound a little bit better, uh, which I'm all for. That's what coaches do. But it wasn't all necessarily the inaccurate passes from the quarterback. Now, yes, he did have some inaccurate throws, of course. But that press bail, that, that press technique, it really did mess up the timing and rhythm of the quarterback because I don't think there was any – timing and rhythm in their past game whatsoever the entire day it was more so dink dunk and let let the sec playmakers go try and make a play make guys miss throw high accurate passes and high accurate completions and let your playmakers go so it in this double-edged sword moment it i think it did work uh obviously well it did work we, we won the game we scored more points than they did but um i'm worried at a, at, a, at a bigger opponent, um, it it may not play in our favor all the time. Well, I, to, to, to be said, Milton is a kid that's really not an accurate type of quarterback. He's more of a leg type of guy. Um, so I can understand trying to get him off timing and ha- force him to be something that he's not. He's not accurate. You could see that the week before against Bowling Green where he's missing wide open receivers running down the field when they should have put 100 on Bowling Green. So um, I could see that in Coach Narduzzi, but far too often in years of past where we're bringing Will free safeties and we're playing man-to-man coverage in third and long and we're getting beat over our heads. So, you know, that's something that that, that just drove me crazy over the, over the years, just seeing that in certain situations of third and 18, third and 16, or third and long. And we're playing man coverage when, you know, Man coverage might not be, you know, necessary. We play mostly cover four, you know, but in that press technique. But, you know, for me, go let your your, your defense alignment eat. Play some zone. Play some – secure our safeties over the top. Bracket, you know, play a little safer on third and long. So we're not giving up big plays and knocking out momentum in, in situations where we're doing good. I, I, I would much rather be beat physically because the the opponent had a had a, a beast of, of a player that just that play he outworked or outplayed my defense. I'll take that. We can live the fight another day. I can lick my wounds at the end of the day. But beating getting beat schematically uh, is some is a hard pill to swallow at, at times. And let go ahead, Mad Dog. I, I, I will say this, you know, sometimes it's zone concept with man principles. So it might look like it's man to man, but it's not. But based upon the route concepts, right. it is man. And I know I'm with everybody on not being a big a fan of press quarters, but, you know, it's feast or famine, you know, and, and in his mind, it a deep ball is a 50-50 ball, and, but I, I think we end up getting more pass. I mean, I, I'd be eager to, to hear what the um, statistic is for how many pass interferences uh, in third and long and what we give up because I, I know it has to be a lot. Over, over the last couple of seasons specifically, I mean, just last year, I, I think I might have to go back and just, just look that up just to prove a point <laughs> to, uh, to Scott's point there. But, hey, we're going to transition – to the, our next segment. Uh, our next segment is 40 and five with your quarterback, Bill Stahl. Uh, for our listeners here, uh, 40 and five is a landmark uh, for our deep throw back in when I, back in 2008, 2009. Uh, and, and it's also a trust and accountability landmark. I, I can trust that my receiver is going to be at that landmark and my receiver can trust me to put the ball there and we can, and he can go up and make a play. Uh, so this is, this segment is, Who's trust? Who's trustworthy and who's accountable? And we have to start w- with our captain, our, our super senior, uh, Kenny Pickett. Uh, Kenny's play was as expected: uh, twenty-four of thirty-six for two hundred eighty-five yards, two tutties, uh, passing, one on the ground. 
um, three touchdowns total. I mean, he he looked like the general that that he is. Uh, his ability to uh, extend the play to find a throwing lane, but also extend the play to use his legs because uh, he is a deceivingly athletic and also pretty fast for for a more so quote unquote pocket passing type quarterback. Uh, so this game, uh, I was obviously extremely impressed, impressed with him. Uh, it was, he was as expected, uh, but I want to go a little deeper with the offensive, the, the offense in general of, you know, why are we seeing this type of uh, some of this success here? And there's a saying, people lie but numbers don't. So we're going to go to the stats here and let's see what is really making this pit offense work in, in the right direction for lack of better words. I mean, I guys, I'm looking at, we were seven for seven in the red zone. We scored points seven times and we scored five touchdowns in the red zone. This is a huge statistic. I mean, let, let's look at the entire season here. The, for for two games, okay, we've been in the red zone 17 times. We've scored points 15 times, and we have 12 touchdowns. I mean, those right there, if you know, all right, Guys in the trenches up front. How, how nice, for lack of better words. All right, you guys can fill it in with another adjective to to describe this. But knowing once we got down to that to that red zone mark, and we're at Heinz Field, and we see that ketchup bottle tip over and fill up the Heinz red zone, you know all that cool stuff. We knew that we were getting six points. Like, we were pissed. We were pissed if, if we had to kick a field goal. And I know my last year, we were top 10 in the friggin' country of scoring red zone touchdowns. That, that was a statistic that we, we as an offense, especially the offensive line, really, really, like, cherished. Like, they, they wanted to make sure that we scored six. And if we didn't, we were coming back to do it the next time because we were pissed if we didn't score. So – Guys, like, I'm looking at the stats here. People lie, numbers don't. I really think, I mean, red zone scoring is a huge, huge statistic for that, that literally trans, transitions or translates to wins. And third down conversion, I'm looking at. I mean, we're, we're converting almost 50%. I mean, that, those are extended drives. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Those numbers really lead to points. And so let's, let's get some feedback here with, you know, Jerry, you know, talk to us a little bit here. Uh, Kenny, you know, the offense, let's, let's talk about it. Well, it's, it's impressive that you said 15 out of 17, but you also have to consider that uh, they played UMass in one of those games. Uh, you know, if it's whatever that percentage is, they keep that percentage up or get something close to it a, a month from now after they've played Virginia Tech and Miami, uh, then, then we will have something. Pitt still needs to run the ball better. Uh, I think they finally ran the ball on Saturday when, in, late in the game. A lot of good things going on with the offense here. Um, guys, give me some give me some opinions here. What, what, what's contributing to the to the success with, with the offense? And you know, overall, what what do we like to see? What, what what are we liking that that we're doing here? Big June, go ahead. Uh, you know what? I like the discipline that Pickett has in the pocket. Um, there was quite a few times where um, <clears throat> they brought the safety and and or the corner, um, and whether the you know they were sliding that way where the left tackle was supposed to pick up um, the will or the, or the the corner coming. But there was some type of miscommunication with the running back and the left tackle. And Kenny did an excellent job standing tall in the pocket and he delivered the ball. Um, you know, most quarterbacks will pull that and then, you know, tuck and try to run. 
well, he stood there, and uh, you know, I commend him for that. That was an excellent job. See, we we talked we talked on on the first on the first uh, first episode of you know with Kenny being you know super senior now. What what are the things that he can do? These are the these are the details that I was that that I was trying to you know articulate in, the, in that first show or the second show of this. These are the things that Kenny is is doing now to become good, and then now to translate to a great. ACC, hopefully first time, you know, first team all conference, you know, quarterback for the ACC. And June, you're like, you made a great point about that. You know, what, what else are you guys saying? Greasy, talk to me. I think the biggest thing in the first two games has been Mark Whipple um, running the football and punching it in, in the red zone against Tennessee. That's big. Um, uh, when, when in the red zone where the zone is, is constricting, timing and everything else becomes quicker in the red zone. We need to start really pounding the football. Um, we, For us, from last year to this year, to continue the success, touchdown percentage-wise, is being multiple, getting into the red zone, different formations, running our good our schemes, and sticking to it. Um, in, in the years past with Whipple as the OC, we're relying too much on the passing game to score touchdowns, in my opinion. As an offensive lineman, once we get in that red zone and, the, and that Heinz catch-up bottle is pouring in, we need to take the, the mindset of punching it in with our running backs. we got a long way to go. we got to find out who those running backs are that we can um, count on. But mindset-wise, as a, as a play caller, to keep those percentage high, I look for Mark Whipple to continue to be – have that mindset in the run game once we get in the red zone. I think the um, consistency of, like like Gree said, with uh, Coach Whipple and Kenny Pickett and just being able to understand what each can and can't do, and, you know, it, it just shows on the field. I mean, my, my only question to, to Grease and Big June is, you know, in your guys' mind, wh- what's going on with the run game? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a dumb defensive player, coach. You know, I just see football, get football. Wh- wh- what do they need to do? Wh- what's What's been happening? Um. What I've seen in the last two games and the, the lack of the last five, six years, we're not really committed to the run, okay? And we've always been a program who, who relied heavy on those Western PA quarterbacks, okay? We have to get some running backs in. We got to go deep. We got to get down to Florida. We got to get these fast guys. We got to put them in the backfield. We got to get them in motion. We got to get them rolling. Or, I'm telling you, when we, was in, when we had Canada as our OC, there, there was so much uh, room for growth at every position. And I think if we can get back to that, where we're getting guys open, using their strengths, then we can become a really special offense because there's a lot of great talent at a Western PA in Ohio. And so if we can get uh, use guys and, you know, where, where they're best or what they're, they're capable of doing, you know, if somebody, if you got a back who's not an every down back, Right. Let's use two backs. Right. Let's get a guy who we can, we can drop it off. We can check down. And so if we can get some things like that rolling, our backfield can be exceptional. It'll take a lot of pressure off the quarterback. Yep. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Hey, June, I think that one thing that we did see differently was, and I, and I know Jerry has, has talked about this a lot, you know, we used a, you know, running back by committee type of type of aspect for the first game trying to figure out where we were and also running back by committee last year Jerry did we find our our two running backs because well, it's it sure but statistically it looks like these two guys had all all the all the carries so I mean by stats you know you you tell me Backs, uh, but I think they've settled on at least two: uh, Izzy Abonaconda and uh, and Vincent Davis. And, and they're, they're the only two guys who carried in the Tennessee game. And, and Narduzzi has and, and Andre Powell have also been high on on, on Rodney uh, Hammond, uh, the, the freshman from Virginia, who didn't play against Tennessee. Settled on those two guys, and I, I just think the offense better. Uh, that was a very good uh, front that Tennessee put up as an SEC front. You know, even though they have some problems on uh, with their coaching situation over the last couple of years, they still got some talent on that defense. They had a hard, had a hard time running the ball. They got to get better as run blockers. I think the big thing is Whipple being multiple with our formations. We're being very simplistic in the run game with our formations and our schemes. 
Um, like June had mentioned with Matt Canada, when we were really rolling with Olison, Darren Hall, being a little more um, multiple with our formations and schemes, motions and that to maybe allow our linemen to get some movement, keep those linebackers at depth. So we're having a little more success in, in the run game. Usually we're just doing a little bit of offset eye in the, in the pistol. We're running lead. It's pretty simple. Um, to be a little more complex, I believe we'll have a little more success in the red zone in the run game and rely less passing um, with a in the red zone. It's always tougher. Now I'm, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask a question to to you to the to the big fellas up up front here, the guys in the trenches. Does it make a difference who's running the rock for you guys? Like, is there is there a and, and I'm, I'm not talking like personality, like friends or whatever. I'm, I'm talking about when you guys are blocking, does it make a difference if the starters in or the second, second team guy, you know, cause they're obviously there, there's, there's some type of rhythm that the running back can, can get in or the quarterback can get in and vice versa, you know, all the, all that type of stuff. I'm, I'm talking does it matter to you guys up front? Can you tell a difference? You know, d- does it make a difference to those guys up front? June, go ahead. I, I would say for me, it doesn't. Um, me, usually on the backside of a play, um, <clears throat> it does help if we can get the the weak side linebacker to stay. And, and by that is we're getting a, our running back to, to, you know, stay play side and then cut back at the last second. Um, and so that's what helps me most. Um, but for a front side guy, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, when I did my inside zone and outside zones, you know, I was just trying to get to the outside shoulder, you know, rest plate to the outside. So for me, it's not a difference. I'm not sure about uh, Mike. Mm-hmm. I, I could say that there, there's a big difference between Shady McCoy and anybody else. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> well, we have a guy that, that can roll. You stick with them. I mean, the biggest thing about having multiple backs and not knowing who it is, like you got to give these guys some carries so they can get in a rhythm. Um, it's tough to get in a rhythm for running backs when they're in and out, shuffling in and out. So I think once they go ahead and they find who they who they believe in and who wins it over and they get in the rhythm to those roles, right, um, we got Davis as a, a scat back, a quick guy, runs great outside zones. And, you know, um, Adonage, um, if I'm saying that right, is looks like to be a big, strong, physical back. I'd like to see him get more carries. Give him the opportunity to get in a rhythm so he can establish what what we want. I think right now there's just not a whole lot of um, – we're, we don't know what we want to be in the run game. That's why we have multiple backs shuffling in and out. You know, and I, I can and I'm say, gonna... I, I'll say it real quick, but um, to pitch the uh, defense last game was, wasn't really indicative of how great the, you know, our backfield can be or will be um, because we was caught in a lot of bad field positioning. Okay. And so we was, there was multiple times where we started possessions within the five yard line. And so how can you really get a running back at seven yards or six yards and really, you know, stress the play? And you're trying to get it at least to the 10-yard line so you can punt it out of there. And so, you know, to put our running backs in a hard position, you really can't see how great they can be. And and to to wrap up your point with that, Big June, you know, the special teams kind of kind of laid an egg a few times, put us in, put us put the offense backed up. Um, and then we as the offense, it, it's it's tough because the main thing we we all we all know this, the offensive guys. The main thing when you're backed up is to get that first down, get your first first down, get that momentum, and then work your way forward playing that chess game. But I'm going to bring Scott here on, on the defensive side. You know, now that that Pitt has, it, it seems like Pitt is narrowing down to Izzy and Vincent Davis. And but from from the defensive standpoint, you know, going to our our quarterback of of the defense, how difficult is that to? to defend knowing you have a scat back, uh, but also someone who can come downhill, you know, you kind of have to be prepared for a little bit of everything, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you got a little bit of thunder, a little bit of boom and, 
you know, it's, it's, it does pre- prevent, present a challenge to the defense exactly how you're going to take on, you know, a, a running back. I mean, you know, Mike said, you know, he, he referenced, you know, LaShawn McCoy. I mean, man, I mean, I, I don't know if I ever saw anyone really hit him square. I mean, so you, you got to figure out who you are and who you're up against. And, you know, when you're, you got someone who's faster than you, you got to understand your leverage points and, you know, you know, force him into another person. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's difficult, but in a day is, I mean, you know, as long as you uh, do your job, keep it simple, stupid, you're going to be fine. But, you know, just, you know, I, I think the defense is, is playing well. I mean, you know, like Jerry said, I mean, they have six linebackers that they can rotate at any time. And, you know, I, I think it's huge. It's, I think it's, it's following the, the, um, what they've been doing with the D lineman. I mean, trying to keep, keep guys fresh, you know, and, and as good as the D line play, it, it, um, makes a linebacker's job easier and, and vice versa for linebackers to DBs. Hey, we're, we're going to stay on, on the defensive side of the ball here. We're, we're going to get into our, our, our last segment, uh, Mad Dogs with Scott McKillop. Scott, we're staying with defense here, buddy. What, what makes a Mad Dog defense, and can Pitt be that Mad Dog defense? I mean, you know, the, 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 the principle and ideas of the Mad Dog defense, and you know, I don't know if a lot of people understand, I know, probably Grease and Mike does is it's, you know, it's from Paul Rhodes, you know, it's just basically relentless effort. You, you don't have to be the fastest or strongest, but when you're out in that field, you know, you attack like a pack of wild dogs. When you turn on that pit defense, you see, you know, whatever color jerseys that they're wearing, you see six or seven guys at the end of the, the play all around the, the ball swarming like a pack of mad dogs. So, you know, and, and I, I think, you know, a lot of questions were about the D line, you know, about all the, uh, the experience that got drafted and left. And, you know, I, I know personally, you know, you got, I filled big shoes when I played at Pitt and, you know, a lot of the current guys had big shoes to, to fill as well. And I think that puts a bigger chip on their shoulder. And I think a lot of the young guys are stepping up and, you know, some of the older guys uh, that have been around for a long time, you know, uh, have been making plays, you know, I, I was real excited for um you know patrician to continue to make plays i mean I, I think that's a really really good story and you know it's it just having super seniors is huge for Pitt this year i i think that they're utilizing it and, and it's it's definitely a, a big advantage for them big grease i think there's a couple things charlie partridge was there with paul rhodes right charlie partridge is one of the greatest recruiters in the country i mean really really happy that coach partridge is there because he's one of the best defensive linemen if not the best coaches defensive line wise in the country so you really see these guys up front playing with bad intentions in their heart which is awesome to see Randy Bates has done a great job coordinating the defense um there's there's some things overall you got to be happy with what he's doing I I I really like what he's brought to the program having him bring bringing the stability of of him and not getting coordinators in and out has been great. Um, I've really been happy to see you really see the, the mindset of coach coming from Michigan state and here, you kind of see things starting to transform into why he was hired as the pit coach seven years ago or so. So it's exciting to see. And I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback off what Mike said, and, and I'm not going to say the coach who told me this, but I have a current defensive coordinator in the NFL has told me that he watched the three players that were drafted defensive line-wise for Pitt last year, and he said that the D linemen at Pitt have the best skill set of any D line that he's seen, and that whatever that defensive line coach is being paid, he's being underpaid because the players are their skill level is unbelievable. Uh, you know, you know what, Mike, Mike, and uh, <laughs> Scott, you guys make a really good point. Um, Charlie Parsons was there when I was there. And his effort and how he do things was second to none. Charlie is a head coach, okay? But I think he's re- he's he- his calling is to be a D-line coach, right? He really he is a dog, right? And so, um, <clears throat> you know, he's been in that Florida, recruiting that Florida for God knows how long. He ought to have a house down there by now because he is just – he's relentless and was searching those Florida kids. And, uh, you know, it's – I mean, even when I played, you know, we, we have Scott and Clint. And, I mean, like, he, he's he's in Florida, man. And he's doing a phenomenal job. 
Jerry? Um, I, I think the defense uh, has been uh, playing played well against Tennessee, but the key to me, and that goes back to recruiting. I think both Pat Narduzzi has recruited well uh, over the past three or four years, and that's why he goes into this season. The super seniors have helped, obviously, but he goes into this season with an experienced team and a deep team, and, and that's why this is the one team in, in, the, in the 11 years I've, I've covered them that has a chance to actually win nine or ten games, which hasn't been done since uh, 2009. But it seems like it seems like we keep talking about one one person from a defensive standpoint making significant big time fourth quarter fourth down type of plays, and and that's that's our super senior linebacker uh, John John Patricia. I mean, Patricia. I mean, coming coming up again, coming up again with, with a big play. Um, I know we we briefly you know talked about him and. Uh, we we continuously talk about them making big plays, but I mean, let's talk about fourth quarter making that play, and then also let let's talk about our D our our D backs. I mean, let's talk about Brandon Hill, seven tackles, and 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 a and a pick to to pretty much seal the game. You know, Scott, let, let's talk about those those big plays. You know, coming from defense and. I think the one word that is the most difficult thing to do in sports is consistency. Being consistently good and consistently great is extremely, extremely difficult. And it seems like we keep talking about some same players. So do I dare say we're getting a little consistently playing well? playing to where we can get some big plays. Uh, Scott, talk to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, – and, and, Jerry, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Brandon Hill play last year when Paris opted out or, That's you know, correct. had that problems? I, I, I think last year was huge for him. I think that that opportunity for him to play springboard him into the situation this year. I mean, that, that fourth quarter interception, I mean, he read the quarterback's eyes perfect. You know, I mean, I, I, without really knowing what the plays, I mean, it looked like he was a, a, a middle of the field player and, you know, and, and, and broke on the ball, made a great play. And, you know, I, I think that's great teaching tape. And I think that's, you know, exactly what you want when you, you need people to step up. I mean, everyone was questioning the, the safeties this year. What are they going to do without Paris Ford? What are they going to do without Damar Hamlin? Well, here's your answer. I mean, Brandon, Brandon Hill right now isn't better than them, but he might be better than them. So it's, it, it's a great opportunity for someone to, um, you know, and, and I know I guarantee he had a big chip on his shoulder this year. People talking about what, what's Pitt going to do. Oh, my gosh, they're, they're, they're second, they're, their safeties are inexperienced. I, I love that. I mean, I think, you know, he answered the bell. Guys, let, let's, let's talk to our, to our guests here from, from the defensive side, side of the ball. How refreshing is it to know when we're going into the fourth quarter, we have – a defense that you can rely on that you that you can count you can count on to get that stop to get you back out on the field to go down and close out a game this is this is the stuff that 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 we've 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 had experience with at pit but not consistently so having having a very good defense uh and getting that trust you know, building that trust from the defensive side of the ball to the offense and vice versa, you know, how, how important is that and how, how refreshing is that for, from an offensive standpoint? Well, I think it keeps you in the game. It keeps you in the game. It keeps you in the possession, one possession, and it keeps you within striking distance. You know, the way we play football and offense with our quarterback, we're tossing all around the yard. We can get in a two-minute drill. We could get into scoring position. So biggest thing is just keeping us within striking distance. And um, with Charlie Parches and that D-line that he's done a great job with throughout his career at Pitt, um, you get in pass rush situations and all that, you let them go eat. And um, very encouraging to see um, some pressure at them. The way these guys are playing, um, they, it looks like they finally have found their identity on defense. And they're playing with a lot of confidence they're playing fast and it's good to see hey, hey real quick bill hey what's the name of the kid the uh he's the dn i think he's from another country or something guy from albuquerque uh botanado from italy yeah he he was getting after it man he's he's young correct he's a junior 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 gotcha. yeah he's he's good noted so going into this next game transitioning scott from a a 
high octane, if if I should even say that on on a pit freaking podcast, a high octane, high tempo. <laughs> I should say that. I know I did, but a a fast tempo offense, and then you know Narduzzi was saying there there's there's some carryover, you know, from from the the UMass game as far as that type of offense. It's not. It's, we're we're getting back to a, a Western you know Michigan type offense that's not super up tempo. So transitioning back to, Hey guys, we can substitute now. Hey, we can go ahead and get our third down package on, on the field and we can, we can go back to instead of playing fast chess, we, we can actually get back to that game planning, you know, strategizing type of thing. And also utilizing our depth, utilizing, utilizing our depth, meaning we can substitute guys in and out. So talk to me, Scott, as far as, as far as that aspect of, you know, now, going back to more of a, you know, slower type of offense. I believe Narduzzi said uh, they, they tend to snap the ball with about seven seconds left on the clock. So they're not concerned about tempo. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's uh, I don't want to say to not get bored, but to be going from what they had last week to this week, you know, it's, it's going to give them a little bit more time to go back to, I, I don't want to say old fashioned football, but something that they're more comfortable with, you know, and I, I think that's, that's going to be huge. And, you know, just not to get bored, continually to do your assignments, trust um, your, your teammates and execute. I mean, it's it's uh, uh, I don't want to say these next two games are trap games, but they kind of are. You know, it's you know, if, if they slip up or, or are we going to say that they're looking towards the Virginia Tech, the Clemson game for the month of October? I mean, you know, however we want to spin it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, if those dogs up front keep on eating and, and you know, Coach P has them you know, penetrating, you know, causing havoc and, you know, the linebackers clean up the table scraps and, you know, it, it, it's, it's, I'm excited for the defense. I mean, it's, it's, you know, like we've been saying that they have a lot of uh, positive things to do, you know, if they can stay healthy and, you know, continue to create pressure and get the quarterback off the point. And, you know, it's, if they can continue to make uh, offenses one dimensional, they'll be successful. All right, guys, plain and simple right around the, right around the horn here. Is this a trap game, Scott? Trap game, yes or no? Yes. I. I, I mean, I yes, know if it is. We got trap game. Yes from Jerry. We have yes from Scott. Big June. Is this a trap game? Should Pitt be worried about this? Negative. Love it. Confidence. Nope. Big Grease. Is is this a trap game for Pitt? Negative. Cover the spread. I don't want to hear about a trap game. Any of this. Cover the spread. <laughs> it's fifteen and a half. Go take care of business. You're at home. Get to where there's not even Peter's Pub anymore. Take care of business. <laughs> get yourself a beer and let's go. Like we're not messing around with Western Michigan. Take the field with confidence. Shoot your gun. Play 100 mile an hour and cover. I love it. Hey, you know, Jerry brought up a good point in in the very beginning here. Let me ask a very blatantly open question. Big June, Big Grease, Scott McKillop. Are you guys pissed? that Pitt isn't on local TV? Because I am. That pisses no, me off. You know why I'm not pissed? Because we are a mediocre program. Let's be honest with ourselves. Local TV. Local TV, Big June. It doesn't matter, right? We, we all know there's money involved, right? They'd rather put something else on. It's going to make money. I mean, aren't, aren't they on ESPN Ocho or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Channel One. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. I, yeah, See, I don't know. The fact I'm gonna that have to stream, I'm gonna have to stream it on my Hulu. Hulu's got sports. <laughs> That's oh, what boy. I'm saying. I have to. I have YouTube TV. This yeah. is what I'm saying, and I, I, I understand. You know what you guys are saying too, and and that's why I'm frustrated because yeah. we should be, we should be that that top, you know, in in that conversation. We have the I mean, squad. We have to be consistent. I mean, Bill, here's the thing, though. I mean, you know, we are who we are, and they are playing Western Michigan. I mean, here's the thing, though. Can anybody name the most famous Western Michigan football player of all time? Negative. Jason Babin, first-round pick, defensive end. Oh, my God. I hate that guy. <laughs> okay, hey, I oh wasn't thinking about – Got him. I wasn't thinking about him. I was thinking about Terry <laughs> Crews. Oh, my God. He's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. We could do this forever. Hey, uh, let, let's continue around the horn here. Um, 
I know I understand about the the trap game, mixed feelings, but let's go a little further here. I need quick but decisive score predictions. Big June. Realistically, I'm probably thinking like 34-7. Pitt. Pitt. 34-7. Big June. All right. Mike. Michigan played them. They were put about 42 points up. I'm looking final 45-14. Pitt. Scott. I'm going to go a little different here. I mean, I'm going to kind of take a page what Mike said. I'm going to say Pitt's going to cover the spread, which I think is 15 and a half. And I think the over-unders at 16 and a half, I'll take the under. But Pitt's going to win. You have you have a score score prediction? 41-7 Pitt. 41-7 Pitt. Jeez. Jerry, Jerry, do we yeah. got you? 31-17 Pitt, they don't cover. Ugh. Like a true reporter. <laughs> They, hey, they'll win though. They'll win. Pitt's been putting up matters. the points. I, I'm. I. I gotta go. I gotta co-sign with, with a few guys here. Uh, I'm gonna go 41, 41, 10. Pitt covers. Pitt wins. Uh, I'm hoping Kenny doesn't even sniff the freaking. I hope he's taking a shower in the fourth quarter. Um, I, I really do. But player of the game. Can we get a player of the game prediction? Big June. Let me get an offense and, and a defense if you can, brother. Um, let me see. I'm going to go with the uh, the Italian kid here on defense. He got some pressure on the quarterback, and he got a sack last game and a pressure um, offense. I'm going to go with Pickett. Um, I think he's uh, <clears throat> he's uh, mature enough to take it to the next level. Big Grease. Let's go Izzy at running back. Let's, let's pound it in the red zone, Whipple. Let's give the kids some carries to get in. Give them a couple touchdowns, right? And on defense, I'm going to go Brandon Hill, the safety out of Wakaiva High School down here in Orlando where I'm at. Um, kid has done a tremendous job playing his role at safety, and I look forward to his continued growth within the program. Scott McKillop, prediction uh, for defensively, 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 Phil Campbell, and offensively, I'm going to go with Vincent Davis with a big game over 200 yards. Mm, I love it. I love it. Jerry, Jerry, are you there? You, you got, what, what do you got for us? You guys were taking all my choices. I'm, I'm going to go with, uh, uh, with Jordan Addison at wide receiver, his player of the game, and uh, two games. And he's really a, a really good linebacker with a lot of speed. I think he'll have a great game against Western Michigan. All right. I'm going to go on the offensive side. I, I'm going to go right there with Scott. I'm going Vincent Davis. Uh, I think he's going to have some – I think he's going to have multiple 20-plus, I'm talking chunk plays. They're going to be long, long rushing touchdowns. Uh, and defensive side, they I'm, – I'm going Kalajikansi up front. Um, I, I think he's just going to eat those – you know, the, the the guard, center. They're, they're going to do whatever they can, but they they run the rock. They run the ball. They run the ball a lot, and I think it, it plays right up to to Pitt's uh, to Pitt's strength in, in their front seven. So I'm going Kalaja Kansi. Uh, but hey, at the end of the day, guys, we do believe in Pitt football. Uh, I want to absolutely thank Charles, Big June, Spencer. Hey, Mike, Bill. Bill, Big I got one more. I Go got ahead, one more June. Question. I got one more question for you. I've never, you I've never said no to you. I was always scared of you since freshman hey, year, so go Mike, ahead, brother. Mike, Michael, Michael, he'd be the only one to know this question. Who's the last offensive lineman to get player to game for Pitt? <laughs> Stick it to him. Mike McGlynn against UCF. What'd you do then? Yeah, Absolutely. what year was that? Listen, firing off the ball, making people look bad, fellas. I'm just letting you know. Um, I had about – the night before, I had about – Four chicken parmesans. Uh, okay, I had a prime rib, big old piece of prime rib, and I was ready that day. So, yep, I got the game ball right here in my mantle. Mike McGlynn. Was that was that down at uh, Raymond James Stadium, or, or was that that was, was that down Hines at Field? the Citrus Bowl, Bill? The Citrus Bowl. Okay, down here in oh. Orlando, Florida. My car. Yeah, I was down. I, I remember that that game. Um, I was very very. Then. I was I was riding the bench in the sideline and, and just watching you guys. I think it was like we blew them out. It was it was a lot to a little. As it well, should have been. Well, everyone, hey, our listeners, this is exactly what you get whenever you join 
join on the pit the believe in pit football podcast you get the inside scoop from jerry Dabala, who has all the the media access who has all the scoop of the ins and outs of what's going on in the south side and then you're also going to get first hands-on experience from your past pit football guys and here you have it two uh, amazing great representatives from the university of pittsburgh who've gone on to play in the nfl and rep pittsburgh loud and proud and we just extremely thankful we appreciate you guys coming on taking the time and uh hail to pit and see you guys next time on the Belief in Pit Football Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.